And welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA here on Anchor FM. And also, I want to say hello to our listeners on Spotify, Apple Podcasting, Google Podcasting, Overcast, as well as some other platforms. Uh, it is so great to have you tuned in to Sunshine USA. I'm the host and Bible teacher here on Sunshine USA. Um, one question I got on an email this week was, uh, they wanted to know a little something about me. They wanted to know, for example, if I'm an ordained minister. And my answer to that question is absolutely yes. Uh, I'm an ordained Southern Baptist minister, ordained in August of 1979, and I was licensed to preach even before I graduated from high school back in May of 19. 19- 74. So I'm both licensed to preach as well as ordained to preach. And in both cases, I was licensed and ordained to preach uh, by the Washington Avenue Baptist Church here in Greenville, South Carolina. And so there you have it. (laughs) I'm always glad to answer your questions that are sent to me uh, by way of email. To me, that helps to make this an interactive type uh, ministry. Now, today we're going to be talking a little bit about the subject of healing. Now, you know, we have some people today who believe that healing is not for today. They believe that Jesus and his disciples healed way back in the New Testament, but not today. But I do believe that healing is for today. But I also acknowledge the fact that Jesus does not heal everybody. He heals many people for many different reasons, but he doesn't heal everybody. And when he chooses not to heal someone, it's usually for a divine purpose. Now, one of the people that I think about when I think on this subject is Johnny Erickson Tata. Johnny Erickson Tata is um, an example of someone who was injured very severely when she was a teenager. She had a diving accident, which basically left her paralyzed from the neck down. She was a paraplegic, And um, she prayed and asked the Lord to heal her, but he did not. And looking back on her life now, we can see, I think, why God chose not to heal her. And that is because he saw that Johnny Erickson Tata could do a much bigger ministry uh, with her handicap than without it. And so he chose, because of his sovereignty and because of his loving kindness, he chose not to heal her and instead put her in a position so that she could reach many people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Many of you have no doubt heard her radio program called Uh, Johnny and Friends. I don't know if that program is still on the air or not, but uh, it's a fascinating program, very inspiring program. And that's a ministry she never would have had, probably, had it not been for her diving accident, where God chose not to heal her. I think about um, other uh, preachers that um, have had great ministries, because of the fact that God chose not to heal them. Uh, There's this one preacher, 
with cerebral palsy, and I'm trying to think of his name. You know, that's the bad thing about growing old. I mean, I'm growing older every day, and <laughs> and uh, my memory is not as sharp as it once was. But I remember that there was this preacher who had uh, cerebral palsy. And God used him in a great way, and as far as I know, is still using him in a great way to preach and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. But that's a ministry that maybe never would have gotten a lot of attention had it not been for his disability. God, for a divine purpose, chose not to heal him. Now, the exciting thing is that one day all will be healed. For example, you won't find any infirmities in heaven. You won't find anybody who's not healed in heaven. You see, we're going to have new health. We're going to have new bodies. And to me, that gets exciting. <laughs> and to me, that overrides any temporary inconvenience that we go through in this life with these old bodies. Uh, I'm glad that I'm getting a new body one of these days. This old body that I have now wouldn't last very long in eternity. It's not lasting very long now. <laughs> My body becomes more and more limited seemingly every day as to what I can do. But my Bible teaches me that one day I'm going to have a new body and I'm going to live in my heavenly mansion. And everybody in heaven is going to be in perfect health. There's going to be no disease there, no deafness there. There's going to be no blindness. We're all going to have brand spanking new bodies. And boy, I tell you, I get excited about that. <laughs> As somebody said, if that don't make your clapper ring, then your clapper's broken. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well, let's get into the word here. Um, Mark chapter 3 and verse 1. And he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man which had a withered hand. Now, notice it says here, Jesus entered again into their synagogue. Uh, Jesus preached in a lot of different synagogues during the course of his three-year earthly ministry. And that's because in Jesus' day, the people were still under the law of Moses. They were still under the law of Moses. And so they worshiped God the same way they did basically in the Old Testament. And that meant that they went to the temple, they went to synagogues and things like that. Uh, they still had offerings and sacrifices. Uh, this wasn't done away with until Christ died on the cross and rose from the grave. Amen. <laughs> that, of course, brought an end to the Old Testament system. But they were still very much under the law of Moses at this uh, particular time. And that's something I try to point out to people. If you understand that, it will help you understand a lot about the life and ministry of Jesus. And there was a um, man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him. 
Now, bearing in mind, there were a lot of Pharisees in the audience. And they were just looking for an opportunity to trip Jesus up. And so when they see this man with the withered hand enter into the synagogue, they said, aha, we're going to find out something here. Now, to make it even more interesting, this is the Sabbath day. I mean, bearing in mind, the Sabbath day was the appointed day of worship. Everybody went into their respective synagogues on the Sabbath day. So this was the Sabbath day. And so if anybody was healed, as far as the Pharisees were concerned, that was a violation of the law of Moses. So let's uh, read on here. And he said unto the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth. And he said unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day or do evil, to save a life or to kill? But they held their peace. (laughs) You see, now Jesus is turning the tables a little bit. He's putting them, the Pharisees, on the spot. He's saying, okay, now here's a question for you. He said, now, is it lawful, is it lawful for me to do good on the Sabbath, or is it lawful for me to do evil on the Sabbath? He's asking them that very important question. And notice here, the Pharisees don't answer Jesus. They don't have an answer for Jesus. And so they remain silent. And then in verse 5, And when they had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for their hardness of hearts, he said unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. Verse 6, And the Pharisees went forth and straightway, took counsel with the Herodians against him, how that they might destroy him. Now, when I read this part of the scripture, I began to think about the fact that when Jesus was on this earth, you know who his biggest enemies were? It was religious leaders. You would have thought that the atheists or the ungodly sinners would give Jesus the hardest time, but no, that was not the case. It was the religious leaders who gave Jesus the hardest time. Now, you understand the Pharisees were the leaders of the Jewish people at this particular time. And they actually had a pretty nice setup with the Roman government. The Roman government gave the Pharisees a certain degree of limited self-government, in spite of the fact that Israel was technically a nation under the dominion of the Roman Empire at this time. But the Romans chose to give the Pharisees a certain degree of self-government. For example, they they had their own court system. It was called the Sanhedrin. And they had this freedom to make their own rules to a degree and decide their own cases. Now, 
The Sanhedrin, of course, was primarily a religious court, not a criminal court, and not a civil court. But they had that kind of self-government from the Romans. And the Roman government did that to appease the Israelites, and it worked for a number of years. Now, the Pharisees didn't want the system threatened by someone coming along trying to set up their own kingdom. They knew that the Romans would react very harshly to that. And eventually they would, in fact, as we'll see later. But um, we find that the Pharisees wanted to put Jesus out of business just as quickly as they could. And so now they have decided to go into conference with the Herodians. They're trying to build the strongest possible case that they can against Jesus. Well, let's read on. Okay. Now, in terms of reading on, it says, But Jesus withdrew himself and his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee followed him and from Judea. Now, notice it says here, And Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea. Now, Jesus understood the importance of coming apart from time to time. It was nothing, as as we read in other places in the New Testament, it was nothing for Jesus to get up early in the morning, usually before sunlight, and pray and commit that whole day to his heavenly Father. Now, of course, I maintain if Jesus saw the necessity of doing that, all the more reason why you and I should see the necessity of going before our Heavenly Father and presenting our needs to the Heavenly Father. Amen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. So we present our needs to the Heavenly Father. At least that's what we should be doing, just as Jesus did. Jesus knew that you couldn't be on the sawdust trail all the time. There were times when you needed to take a day off and pray and seek the will and guidance of God. I I saw a bumper sticker one time that said, if you don't come apart, you will come apart. And Christians that come apart don't. (laughs) Amen. Praise the Lord. So that's a wonderful thing. Now let's read on. And from Jerusalem and from Adamea and from beyond Jordan, and they about Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude when they had heard the great things, came and spoke unto him. And he spake to his disciples that a small ship wait on him because of the multitude, um, lest he should throng him, or they should throng him. For he healed many, insomuch as they pressed upon him, For to touch him, as many as had plagues, 
and unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him, cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. And he straightway charged them that they should not make him known. Now, we find here that Jesus healed many other people, and many of these people displayed outstanding faith. They had the kind of faith in God that told them if they could just touch Jesus, if they could just lay their hands on his garment even, they would be healed. And many of them were healed, in fact. And we find here that the crowds were so great and so numerous that Jesus had the disciples keep a boat ready so he could push out into the lake and get himself some distance. Now, I am told through a study of biblical geography that this particular area where Jesus uh, preached, it was almost like a nat natural amphitorium. You know, they didn't have microphones or sound systems back in those days. And I'm told this is one of the places where Jesus preached, and he really didn't need a microphone. First of all, I think Jesus had a very strong voice to begin with. And Jesus knew where to preach so that nature itself provided the voice amplification that he needed. And people came to Jesus from all over. <laughs> you see, people want what Jesus has to offer. Now, you know, a lot of people, I find, are looking for God. They just don't realize they're looking for God. But I know they're looking for God because, you see, they're looking for only those things that God can do. For example, when it comes to healing. Only Jesus can heal. Healing comes from God. And so if you're seeking healing for your body, you have to turn to Jesus. Now, uh, here's an interesting question that I get from time to time. Warren, is it sinful for a person to go to a doctor? Is a person uh, displaying a lack of faith if they go to a doctor or hospital? And I say absolutely not. In fact, I say a lot of times in my lifetime, I have prayed on the way to the doctor or I've prayed on the way to the hospital. I believe that doctors have been given a great amount of wisdom and knowledge that ultimately comes from the Lord. Now, I know they had to go to medical school to get that knowledge, but the knowledge they get in medical school, it ultimately is knowledge that comes from the Lord. And God can use doctors and nurses and medical technicians. He can use them in the healing process. So I'm not against Christians going to doctors at all. You know, if you feel like you need to go to a doctor, I say, fine, go to a doctor. That is very wonderful to do. But don't discount the fact that it's ultimately God who provides the healing. Amen? Amen. And the great thing about being healed by a doc, uh, being healed by the Lord is you don't have the doctor bill that goes with it. If you could get healed by Jesus without going to a doctor, you don't have a doctor bill. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, just like some people will ask me, uh, is it wrong to take medicine? Uh, for example, 
is it wrong to get a prescription filled that a doctor gives you and and take that medicine? No, it's not wrong at all. In fact, uh, right now I'm looking at a shelf here in the bedroom of my apartment where I'm recording this podcast. And on this shelf here, I could see all kinds of medicine that I take. I take medicine for blood pressure. I take medicine for cholesterol. I take medicine for my heart. I take medicine for my stomach. I have some pain medication, most of it over-counter pain medication. So I have different medications that I take in order to keep me functioning in a halfway decent manner. And I think that the drug companies who make these medications, they operate on knowledge that ultimately comes from the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, no, I don't think it's wrong to go to the doctor. I don't think it's wrong to take medicine. But ultimately, my faith is in God. And I know that God can and will heal me if it be his will. If, it, if he doesn't heal me, then I have to accept the fact that God has a divine purpose for that. Just like he did for um, Johnny Erickson Tata. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, uh, so yes, healing does come from the Lord. And, and of course, healing doesn't involve just physical healing. There's also mental and emotional healing. I know that this has been a very trying year for many people in our radio audience. Uh, many of you have lost your jobs. You've lost your income. You've lost your savings. And I hope that you belong to a church that is doing everything they can to help you. I think the church has a biblical moral obligation to help those in need to the degree that they can. Now, of course, if you belong to a small church, there's going to be probably a limit as to what that church can do to help you out. Amen. But nonetheless, you can get a lot of assistance from your church if they're doing what the Lord wants them to do. I think one of the sad commentaries today is the fact that we are looking to the government to do those things that it's really the job of the church to do. You see, I believe it's the job of the church to take care of the poor. It's not uh, the job of the government. Now, the reason that you and I have to deal with taxes and higher and higher taxes on top of that is because of the fact that we have allowed the government to assume responsibility that rightfully belongs to the church. And so if you need help with your rent, if you need help with clothing, if you need help with food, it's perfectly understandable that you would go to your church and ask them to help you out to the best of their ability. Now we come to verse 13 here in chapter 3, and he goeth up into a mountain 
and calleth unto him whom he would, and they came unto him. And he ordained twelve that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach, and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out devils. Now in verses uh, 16 through 21, um, we find the men listed that Jesus called. Jesus called a total of 12 disciples. He ordains them into the ministry. Now, those of you that are ordained to the ministry, you could probably remember now that day when your church ordained you into the ministry. In my particular case, I was ordained into the ministry as well as licensed to preach by the Washington Avenue Baptist Church here in Greenville, South Carolina. And one of the things that I can remember when I was ordained, I was brought before what they called the Presbytery. And this was actually a group of ordained ministers and deacons in the church. And they spent about an hour, 45 minutes to an hour, asking me different questions just to make sure that I was solid in my thinking and, and solid in my understanding of the Word of God. And then they proceeded to the ordination service, which was public, and it was there that I was ordained into the gospel ministry. And I remember that just as vividly as, as if it happened yesterday. And those of you that are listening to this podcast right now, if you've been ever ordained of God to go into the ministry, you can remember being ordained by your particular church. Now, in some denominations, this is done at the denominational level. In some cases, this is done at the seminary level. But for me as a Southern Baptist, most Southern Baptists feel that this is a decision that local churches should make. If they have a young man in their congregation who feels called of God to go into the ministry, then that church will decide whether to license and or ordain that person into the gospel ministry. Amen. (laughs) And so Jesus calls these 12 into the ministry, and he sets them aside for the ministry. We note that these disciples came from all walks of life. Probably we could say over half of these men were fishermen. These were clearly uh, blue-collar workers. We know that disciples like Matthew, for example, Matthew was uh, a tax collector. So we would say uh, Matthew was kind of like a white-collar disciple. Jesus called disciples from all walks of life. Now, the significant thing here is that Jesus recognized that it really wasn't going to be possible for a ministry like his to be effectively done without human assistance. We have to understand that ministry is not a one-man show or a one-man performance. It's a team effort. It's a team effort. And that's why the work of the church is so important. It's a team effort. All of us as church members working together to get out the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Now, I know at the San Susie Church that I go to here in Greenville, South Carolina, Lenny Miller is our pastor doing a great job for the Lord there. Coming up on Thanksgiving Day, we have an annual tradition of giving our community a free Thanksgiving dinner. And people all over the community, whether or not they're members of San Susie Church, even if they have never set foot inside San Susie Church, we offer them a free Thanksgiving dinner just because they happen to live in our community. I think last year, I'm told, we served something like 700 people a Thanksgiving dinner, maybe a few more. And I think it was a similar number the year before. So it's all part of an annual tradition at San Susie Church that we do this. And in some cases, if people can't come to the church to eat, uh, meals are delivered to some people's homes. And I think this is a great and good thing. Amen. Praise the Lord. I thank God for that. I think it's a marvelous thing that our church has this type of ministry. We also have a food pantry ministry. And there we make a year-round effort to provide food for those in our community that don't have any food to eat. This is all part of what the work of the local church is all about. And of course, God is calling disciples today, just like he called disciples back then. Now, I believe that when it comes to things like a healing ministry and casting out devils, I don't feel that that type of apostolic authority exists today. I think ultimately all healing comes from God, but I don't necessarily believe in having so-called healing meetings. God doesn't have to put on a public display of his healing power. I know many people that are healed in their hospital room, they're healed in their living room, they're healed in their bedroom. It doesn't have to be in some public arena. You see, uh, when God puts on a healing service, a lot of times it's private. It's not meant as public entertainment. You know, I tell people I I believe in divine healing. I don't necessarily believe in so-called divine healers in our day. These 12 disciples, they had apostolic power, which I don't believe exists today, as far as that kind of power resting in the hands of a human being. There, I believe that the disciples had power and ability we don't have today. Today, if somebody needs healing, I am more than willing to pray over them, and the Bible says I can also anoint them with oil. I know many ministers that uh, keep olive oil on them so that they can anoint the sick with oil. This is perfectly scriptural. Because like I say, I do believe that God does heal today. It's a real ministry. But I think we have to be careful to give God and not man the credit for the healing. A lot of these so-called divine healers today, 
they're trying to take credit for what God has done. And I believe that's all kinds of wrong. Amen. But yes, God does heal people today. And I know that healing takes many forms for many people. Some of you listening to this podcast right now, you need a financial healing. Some of you need uh, healing from hunger. You need food. Some of you need healing that comes in the form of shelter. You don't have a place to live. And I tell you, folks, we're coming up on a bad time of the year to be homeless. Amen. And so I pray for all of you that are in need right now. In fact, we're getting ready to go to the Lord in prayer. And um, if you have a need, you're invited to join me in this prayer. So let's pray at this time. Dear Lord, I just want to pray right now for the needs of my radio and podcast listeners here, Lord. Lord, we have people here with financial needs. We have people here that need food. We have people here that need clothing. And especially this time of the year, Lord, we have people here that need warm clothing that will help keep their bodies warm. And, oh, Lord, we need you to provide us with wisdom so that we could spot other people in need, so that we could be used by you to meet these needs that other people have. And Lord, we have some listening this morning that need salvation. Lord, they need the kind of eternal life that only you can provide. Lord, we have people today that are living reckless lives that leads straight to hell. And Lord, we know you love these people. And Lord, we know that you want to save these people. And so, Lord, we're praying right now that you will come to these people and give them eternal life. I pray that unsaved people listening to this podcast right now, I pray that they will pray to you and ask you to come into their heart and forgive their sin, forgive their wickedness and evil doing, and that they will let you give them the kind of new life that only you can provide, Lord. And now, Lord, we thank you for what you're already doing as a result of this podcast. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. Now, if you just prayed and asked Jesus to come into your heart, if you have a need for healing, if you have financial needs, material needs, I hope that you will shoot me an email. I'll not only pray for you, I'll see what can be done to help you. I have two different email addresses here. One is warrenlandis at yahoo.com, and the other one is warrenlandis at gmail.com. You can contact me through either one of these two emails, and I'll be glad to do for you what I can. And then, if you would like to shoot me a snail mail, (laughs) 
that's regular stamped mail, uh, you could do so at the following address. My address is Warren Landis, 3001 Old Buncombe Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29609. Now that's apartment number 8. Apartment number 8. That's Warren Landis, 3001 Old Buncombe Road, apartment number 8, Greenville, South Carolina, 29609. And um, like I say, I would love to hear from you. And it might be that before you close that envelope, you might want to put a few dollars in it to help us out with the various expenses we have here at Sunshine USA. I might point out, just for the record, I don't receive a salary for doing this radio program. I do it out of the goodness of my heart, and I do it simply because I love the Lord and I love you. I don't get paid a penny for doing it. But we do have a desire to expand this ministry. I would love to buy time on AM and FM radio stations across America and throughout the world. I, I would love to buy airtime on television stations. And, and in fact, just last week, I got a call from a television network that is very eager for me to be on their network preaching. In fact, they have contacted me uh, several times, really, since last spring. And I, I pray that the Lord will open the doors necessary for this to happen. But, of course, in order for that to happen, we need to hear from you financially. We need your financial support. <laughs> I tell you, I enjoy doing this program. Um, I'm actually recording this particular podcast at 8 o'clock in the morning. And it kind of like uh, brings back old memories. Back when I was in college and seminary, I had Bible classes that started at 8 o'clock in the morning. Amen. I had breakfast at 7 a.m., Bible class at 8 a.m. So it was something I had to get up. Usually I set my alarm to go off about 6 o'clock in the morning. But I think it's important that every one of us as Christians spend time every day in the Word of God. I can't imagine a day being complete without spending at least some time in the Word of God. Now, I know some of you say, well, Warren, you don't understand. My schedule is so busy. I have a very hectic schedule, and I know some of you do. Some of you have a very busy schedule. But don't allow your schedule to become so busy and so occupied that you don't have time for Bible study. I believe that Bible study is so necessary and so important that you don't have time not to study the Bible. I remember there was a student one time, he enrolled at Clemson University here in South Carolina. He was not a Bible major by any means. He was, uh, I think, an engineering or business major, something like that. But every day he went to class with his Bible. And some people say, why did you do that? And that student answered and said, because I know this Bible is something I need to read every day. This Bible is something I know I need to study every day in order to be the Christian that God wants me to be. That was a great answer. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, if you enjoy this program, I hope that you will tell other people about it. Because after all, if you enjoy listening to Sunshine USA, chances are pretty good you know someone else that would also benefit from listening 
to this podcast. And so I hope that you will tell them about Sunshine USA and how they can tune in to Sunshine USA on their computer or smartphone. Until next time, this is Warren Landis saying goodbye. God bless you. And guess what? I'm going to see you next time on the Sunshine USA.